The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to Monday morning. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. I hope everybody is well and uh, and excited, excited for a new week. Uh, you know, Monday is, uh, it can be either one. It could be either a great time or not so great a time. But it's Monday morning for Benny, and it's about lunchtime for him because he gets <laughs> up, at, like, in the middle of the dark night. I do. Uh, so, so, Benny, how are you today? Uh, pretty good. I probably haven't slept much. <laughs> A lot's been happening in the news a little bit. I'm just saying, but uh, okay. <laughs> in indeed, we had a we had a couple of uh, one tragedy over the weekend, yes. which was uh, that uh, um, um, Taylor Hawkins, mm -hmm. the drummer for the Food Foo Fighters, not Food Fighters, no, but the Food Foo Fighters, yes, uh, passed away unexpectedly in the middle of a tour. Yeah, I haven't heard of that before. Uh, I, I'm sure there might be another artist possibly in there. I don't know of it right off the top of my head either. It's unfortunate anyway. Um, you know, you don't want that to ever happen. No, you, you, you really don't. And apparently I was talking with my son and apparently he had, uh, past issues with alcohol and other stuff, which is not to say that that's what, uh, what his problem was today, but he had, he had quite a, quite a life. And, uh, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, it's, he, he was a heck of a drummer and a great singer. So, yep. you know, I, I'm, you know, a lot of people are mourning him this week. Correct. So, Correct. you know, and then, and then of course you had, and there's lots and lots of theories as to what this was, <laughs> but you had the, the slap heard around the world i mean exactly it is the biggest talk right now <laughs> it's still going on as far as is it real is it fake and of course we're talking about will smith and his actions on the oscars last night uh with uh chris rock wow i mean i have never seen anything like that in my entire and i suppose you know it almost looked like a professional wrestling match have you seen those yeah, it's like uh, you could see it kind of go down. It's almost right, but it's not quite all the way right. <laughs> like, it's like staged in a little way. It could have been or just awkwardness. And I think that's a good analogy there, too, as far as uh, a, a wrestling match, pro wrestling match. <laughs> well, it's almost like, well, let's see. If I do this and then and then I'm going to come up and slap you and, yeah. and uh, you roll with it. And uh, and stuff because I mean it looked like a Hollywood punch. It really did. Yeah, I mean everyone's kind of it's going on on social media all over. It's it's being looped and and who knows if it's it's being adjusted it, whatever. But the news outlets obviously are taking over on it and it's it's a wild thing. They're both actors. I mean, <sighs> it's the Oscars. They're yeah, yeah, their numbers in past years. You know, I mean, all this kind of is looped into it. Well, you know what I will tell you. <laughs> um, Chris Rock has gone from hosting the thing to he was out there to present the 
the best documentary, which is not generally where you put <laughs> your A-list guys. So maybe he was looking for a little bit extra uh, oomph behind it. And uh, and then uh, Will Smith and uh, our, our guest for this hour, we're going to talk to her in just a moment. She has an interesting theory about mm-hmm. that, but. You know, but I, I on Facebook it was it was Will Smith was a a d- committed a dastardly deed mm-hmm. versus uh, Chris Rock who was a bully and attacked somebody who hadn't even said anything to him and wasn't even up for any awards. Right. So, I mean, and um, if you look at previous you know comics, I mean that's what they do. They they some are very blunt and they destroy in jokes and that's their form of banter and humor humor and comedy and in general. And some people. Obviously can't take it, but I don't know. That's just his style. I mean, you look at Ricky Gervais and all the previous, what was it, uh, last year or the year before, where he was just kind of going off too. Oh, yeah. And but, it's just like see, no no one ran up on stage and did anything to him. Well, but see, he was the host, and he he made it plain from the very beginning that he was going to be attacking people. Okay. So, so they kind of got it. But okay. Chris Rock was presenting – for a category, right. and okay. suddenly turn to to um, uh, Jada, and and uh, because you know, of course she's got this disease that I'm I know nothing about, but maybe that's you know uh, Gemma has a thought on that. So anyway, okay. let's let's get into that, and and uh, and we'll talk we'll talk with Gemma. She is a dynamic woman. She is here to help women uh, with their body image. She's, uh, but she's a psychologist. Well, let's see. She's a certified health coach and exercise physiologist with over 20 years of experience in the health industry. To say she's happy and completely at peace with her life is an understatement. Although she, <laughs> she did say she's got. She's a mom to three incredibly rambunctious children filled with an abundance of energy. Now you can take that one of two ways. It means that they won't sit down to have dinner and that they're always running around or they're just exuberant children. So we'll find out all about that with Gemma right now. Gemma, how are you? I'm good, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So so I guess the burning question of the day is, was it real or was it? It was not real. That was staged if I ever saw anything. (laughs) <laughs> I did better. I did better stage combat in high school when my first was getting taught. <laughs> I took stage combat in high school because I was in theater, and they teach you like when you go to hit someone, you slap your chest, and that's the sound. And that's ex- I saw it from the angle. You see Will Smith. His right hand goes over. His left hand hits his chest, and right at the time he's supposed to chris rock ducks left or ducks to his right it looked as staged as anything i could do better and i've not never done definitely done it professionally there was comments about like it sounded odd like it wasn't a traditional hand on face kind of slap it was uh, differently produced so to speak kind of muted a little bit yeah muffled kind of like some yeah clothing yeah yeah We've heard, we've heard that. If someone's really mad about their wife getting attacked, they're not just going to march up on stage and slap someone and walk off. They're probably going to go into serious fisticuffs. But it's also, it's not, that's, I mean, we've all grown up with Will Smith. Yeah. He's never done anything ridiculous or unkind as far as I know. So it's just also super out of character. So in my opinion, completely staged. <laughs> Well, and the other thing that I thought of was that number one, Will Smith is a bigger guy, and he is very in shape, and uh, Chris Rock is a little fella, 
And and for him to, be, if 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 uh, Will Smith had wanted to hit him with everything he had, there is not a prayer that uh, Chris Rock would have stayed up. He would have gone down. And who slaps people? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a fine point. So anyway, the the entire world is going crazy, and everybody is going to be debating this. Was it? Wasn't it? Uh, but I I think that your point is correct. That uh, it was. Um, to help get the word out about the disease that uh, uh, Jada has, uh, which do you know anything about that? I do know. I know something about alopecia. Alopecia, it's when people lose their hair. So I actually suffered alopecia in my eyelashes and my eyebrows um, years ago. And I've had relatives and friends who have in the past and are currently battling alopecia. And it can be like the head of hair, a tiny little circle can just lose the hair and you just have a circle of a patch with no hair, but it can grow and it can get to the point where there's hardly any hair on the head. And so a lot of, a lot of people choose to shave their head. So it's, you know, more uniform look. And, you know, in the past, a lot of people wore wigs to cover it up. But one, one thing I love about, you know, society today is people are just like, be you, own you, rock, you know, rock everything about you, have confidence no matter what. So you're seeing a lot more um, people on social media with alopecia just going bald and, and letting it, you know, bald and beautiful. And I, I appreciate that. I love that. I think people are really brave. But it is, it is something that people don't know an awful lot about. And, and like you, Kevin, you weren't aware of it because people have been hiding it for so long because they were embarrassed by it. There's not a lot of awareness. So if this was a way to raise awareness for alopecia, I think that's wonderful because now just like us, you're asking what is alopecia? And so these discussions are going to be had and maybe it can get the attention it needs medically to help people. So does that mean that the next time I go on a date, I can say, well, you know, I would have had a full head of hair, but I've got alopecia, and and said, which is why I'm bald. Can, depends, I, can I use that? It depends if you want to start your relationship with a lie, Kevin. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, that's I a can, whole other episode. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I could go down that road if you'd like, because uh, no, I, I, I don't think that would be appropriate. But uh, so we're here to talk to you about a couple of things. You've written a book. Um, and also you are, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest things of our time, I, I, not too long ago, I had the opportunity to, um, inter interview a international model and, um, and you can go to positivetalk.net, positivetalkradio.net to listen to that interview. And she was talking about body image and what it was like to be a model and have the body image. They have the same, they've got it actually worse than the rest of us. <laughs> Because they their their body images, if they gain a pound, they have to weigh themselves, or they have to be weighed and measured almost every day. Can you imagine? Yep, they've got to fit the clothes. If they don't fit the clothes, they don't get the work. So their income, their career is based on ounces and pounds, and that's a lot of pressure. It's it's horrible, and uh, and we do that to kids. Well, she was 18 years old walking down the beach in Sydney, or in Sydney, Australia, and a guy looked at her and said, "Hey, you'd make a great model." Two days later, she was on an airplane to New York. Wow. And uh, but but that's what she that's what she said is that that it was that happens you, to you all the time, right, Kevin? Oh yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I I get I get asked all the time, "Are you you have a face for radio?" So. <laughs> 
We want to put you on the radio. What do you, what do you think about that? Um, so anyway, let's talk about you. Where did you decide learn to do what you're doing now? I, I was born fighting for people to, to have their voice heard. I mean, I just came out swinging, um, no, no pun intended. <laughs> That's the way we started the show. Um, but I, you know, it developed as, as I really got into fitness and health in my teenage years. And then I struggled with body image because again, if I'm in the health and fitness industry, I should look like I'm in the health and fitness industry, but I didn't, I didn't look like the people in the gym who, who or the, the models I looked at. Again, we're looking up, talking about modeling. I didn't look like that. And I didn't know why. And I was in the gym longer than the people I wanted to look like. I didn't know how to eat. I had no clue. So I had a really unhealthy relationship with food. I was trying every pill you can find, the -the over-the-counter weight loss pills and the carb blockers and the energy, you know, and all these things that actually made me worse because it really wrecked my metabolism. And I ended up heavier because of taking all those things. And it took me years to really learn how to eat from my body so that I could feel, you know, confident and feel like the hard work I was doing in the gym was actually, I could, I could see it. And, and I started talking to clients of mine, you know, I've been personal training and working in health for over 20 years. And I was noticing these common themes. When I couldn't see results, I thought I was broken. I thought there was something wrong with me. And I was talking to these female clients who felt the same way. I learned that the inner talk, the voice inside my head, I call it now the inner critic. It was, she's a, she was a, can I, can I curse? Can I say the B word? Benny, <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it to you, sir. Okay. She was a real not nice person. Thank you. That's that? much better. <laughs> <laughs> so this inner critic, this voice, she was horrible to me. And it was my voice saying, you know, gosh, you're too fat. You'll never get it. You're a loser. You can't, you know, you can't stick to this. You'll never look like that. People think you're this. It was just this horrible inner voice. And I learned that so many people were struggling with that negative inner critic. And Bottom line, I wouldn't say those things to my worst enemy. And here I was saying them to myself all day, every day. And so it started developing this platform where I didn't think women should struggle alone, thinking that we're broken, no, thinking that we're the only one with this, this negative talk in our heads. And so it just started this conversation and I was able to help more clients. I was able to help myself. I went on a journey of counseling and, and personal development, and it led to a book. And it's just been this journey that keeps evolving as I learn more, as I grow more, that I don't want any woman on this earth to not love herself unconditionally. We've got one go around. We should be loving ourselves more than anybody else, I think. Absolutely. And by the way, the name of the book is The Elephant in the Room, How to Overcome Psychological Barriers to Weight Loss Success. And the author, of course, is Gemma Ray uh, Fountain. And you can go to uh, Gemma, oddly enough, GemmaRayFountain.com. And the middle name is spelled R-A-Y-N-E, Fountain. Uh, dot com and you can follow along with us and uh, look at the work that she is working to do you know I have to I have to comment um, when I was 17 I was a senior in high school 
I was a starting nose guard on the football team. I was a wrestler. I was a baseball player. Um, but when I would go to the pedi pediatrician, I was 5'8 and weighed 178 pounds. And according to, you know that chart that they have there? Yep. That, that height, weight, proportionate chart? Yeah, the BMI, yep. According to that, I was obese. Mm -hmm. But I was an all-conference football player. And I beat the state champion in wrestling. <laughs> and I was in shape and, and stuff. But my body type is that of uh, a Sherman tank. There's nothing I can do about that. That's just the way I'm built. Yep. And, and, but, but it made me feel like I was less than because I couldn't look, I couldn't get the uh, washboard abs and all that kind of stuff because that wasn't who I was. Genetically, that's not what you, that wasn't what you were made to be. And the BMI, that is a basal, meso, basal metabolic index, and it's your height to weight ratio. And um, it's not being used as often. And they're not, people are more wise to it. People understand that. There are, just to give you a perspective, there are bodybuilders who on the BMI scale are obese. Yes. And they have, because their muscle mass, they have so much muscle mass to their, to their height ratio that they weigh a lot. And so bodybuilders will look like on the BMI that they are in the overweight or obese category. So it's kind of, the BMI is just a rough indicator, but a lot of body types don't fit that. So, you know, that's important for us to educate everybody about so that there's not other people just like you seeing that BMI number and being really down on themselves because they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so active. I'm healthy, but I'm obese. Well, That's not fair. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, see, the thing is, um, Gemma, and this is why I wanted to have you on the show today, is that when I was in my teens, that was the 1970s. Now, there are lots of folks that are in my age group, women tremendously, that have, uh, they, they were subjected to the same things back then because they didn't have the knowledge that they have now. Mm -hmm. But we haven't been updated <laughs> when oh, we go yeah. to the doctor. They Now they say, well, you know, you're, you're, you're heavy and stuff. Well, I've always been, according to the charts, I've always been heavy, but most of the time I've been in shape. So, um, so there's a lot of folks that are in my age group that still have that rattling around in our head. Do you think? Absolutely. Gosh, especially, I mean, if you remember, you know, in the seventies, it was don't, you know, gosh, the cabbage soup diet. It was the don't eat, um, don't eat protein. And it was eat only pasta. And then it was don't eat carbs. And, you know, so there's all this misinformation, especially in the seventies and eighties, people were starving themselves to be a certain size it was very toxic. It was highly toxic. So I work with a lot of women who have been on diets, yo-yo dieting for decades. And what I see, and I did this too, you invest time and money. You buy the program, you pay the fee, you join the membership, and you don't follow through with it. So then you feel guilty, you feel like a loser, you feel like you just aren't capable, and then you end up gaining more weight because typically when we feel rotten about ourselves, we tend to move less and eat more. And the next fad comes along and we're like, oh, that's the one. And we invest the money, we invest the time, we don't follow through, and then we feel bad again. So it's this cycle of guilt, it's this cycle of failure, it's this psychological psychologically damaging pattern 
that we're on that just makes people heavier and feel worse about themselves. And I've been watching this for decades and I want everyone to get off that roller coaster. And if you've ever done those diets, anyone who's listening, if you've been on a diet roller coaster, stop, just stop because the next diet isn't going to be the solution until we start saying, why didn't I stick with the program? Why am I eating unhealthy foods even when I know they're bad for me? Why aren't I moving even though I know it's good for me? Why aren't I prioritizing my health? What, what blocks do I have? And there are mental blocks or emotional blocks. There's something else going on, which is I, I call the elephant in the room. Those things that are really big and affecting us, but we're choosing to ignore them. So that's why it's called the elephant in the room is let's start figuring out what is holding you back from putting yourself first, prioritizing your health and actually reaching those goals in a kind way. Because a lot of people will bully themselves, you know, and it's like punishment to be on a diet. It's punishment to go to the gym. And that's no way to reach any goal. That's just, you know, you're going to spend too much time miserable. So let's get healthy in a happy way, in a joyful way. So we enjoy the process versus being miserable as we're trying to eat healthy. Apparently you've been to my house. <laughs> Um, is this cutting hot, hitting close to home there? <laughs> well, I, I will I will tell you that that is when you are built the way I'm built, it's a constant struggle. Um, you know, I, I was told one time as I was walking out, I was playing football, and one of the other guys said, you don't have to put your shoulder pads on until uh, we get out to the, to the stadium, and I didn't have them on. So he was, he, so instead, I was just really broad and, and yes. stuff. So it's just one of those things that, uh, that you, you have it your entire life. You don't look like the guys that you want to look like the Brad Pitts of the world and those guys, and those guys don't do anything uh, necessarily. I don't know, but, um, they do, so make, they, do. Make, they work hard too. <laughs> I yeah, promise. You know, <laughs> yo, do you know, Brad, <laughs> can we meet? No. <laughs> Uh, but so the elephant in the room, when we talk about that, can give us an example of some of the elephants and some of the things that we say to ourselves, okay. um, which I assume is that it, that's basically what it is, is that we are self-sabotaging ourselves. Absolutely. But we don't, some people don't realize they're doing it. And sometimes it's not something you're doing. It's, it's impact and it's influences in the world around you. So um, we talked about the negative self-talk. So how can anyone ever ha have success in their health journey if the voice inside is constantly saying, you're just going to, you're going to fail. You're going to cheat. You can't do this. You're just, you're just, you're just fat and lazy. Like if that's what you're telling yourself inside your head, if you, if you think about a child, right. And you want a child to do something well, if you were to say those things to a child, is that child going to keep trying or is the child going to give up defeated? So it's, we're talking to ourselves in this horrible way. I want everyone to support themselves and uplift themselves the way you would to a child. Well, and that, that makes a great deal of sense, except, except for the fact that the voice in my head sounds like my mother, because when I was a child, that's what I got. And then you bring up a great point. I was, I'm so glad you said that because I was going there. A lot of people never had that loving support. They never had that positive feedback, especially 70s and 80s. There was no Dr. Phil and self-help books on how to be a better parent, how to be a better person. People would, were parenting from their trauma. They were parenting from their stress. They were struggling. And 
it they everything just came out so you know i grew up and you know with you know in a household that was you know telling me the negative things and it was horrible and you know like i said i came out fighting so i came out saying no that is not true let you know so i you know i fought it but not everybody knows that and so i have to teach that we have to start this conversation and say those voices inside your head telling you anything other than the fact that you're amazing we need to turn the volume down and those voices don't go away they just don't we always have what we what again i call the inner critic that's that voice is always going to be there in some ways it's there to protect you you know like should i try this sport i've never done you know maybe you should learn how to do it first before you try doing a triple double axle while you're ice skating is that even a thing in ice skating i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i probably not because a triple doubles kind of doesn't go i obviously know nothing about sports um but you know we have to turn the volume down on the inner critic and turn the volume up on what i call the inner wisdom and that knows the truth and that's the the good news is that negative self-talk is a bad habit. And so why is that good news? Because we can train ourselves out of bad habits. It just takes time. It takes perseverance. And you might try and then fail. Then you try again. And it's a process of continually trying. So that's one of the elephants is the negative self-talk. Another one um, I'll bring up is, is family and friends. Family and friends is a strange psychology with people you love around you when you are trying to be healthy. There's a strange psychology in other people that they don't even realize they're doing it. But for example, you go to dinner with your family and they all get dessert and you say, no, thanks. I don't want dessert. What's the matter with you? Why don't you want dessert? Exactly. I'm on a diet. What do you mean you're on a diet? Don't, oh, you can start your diet tomorrow. Here, have this. Right? Oh, you you look fine. Don't worry about it. You 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 know just indulge with us. Exactly. People want to. They don't. It's not that they don't want to see you succeed. If you succeed, it's proof that they could also succeed if they just stuck with it. And people want to think, oh, I'm I'm a failure. I can't do it. It's never going to work. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. So let me just stay the way I am. So if you succeed, you are proof that they are wrong and they can do it. And even though people don't realize that's what they're doing, it's it's underlying. I did in some cases it it actually is a case of jealousy. Yeah, I think sometimes I, I'm not a jealous person, so I like to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, I'm hoping that, that they're not gonna sabotage people they love out of jealousy, but you're right. You are right. I live in my bubble, but you are right. People are jealous. And so part of the book, one of the chapters is talking about if you are at a, you know, a family dinner or you're with, you know, even at home with your own family, you never say, I can't eat that. You never say I'm on a diet. You never say that's too much sugar. That's too many calories. I don't have enough points for that. You don't give them any ammunition to debate you. You say, I don't like that. I don't want any. I'm full. I'm allergic. I, or make, you know, something along those lines that no one can debate. So, hey, have some cake. I don't like that cake, but thanks. End we, of discussion. We, you know, what's interesting about that, too, is because we're talking about predominantly women. 
which they, because of our society, they have had to deal with body image a lot more than men do. Um, because it's, it affects everything from makeup to hairstyle to the shoes you wear. And I don't, I don't recall ever saying to myself, that woman is pretty because she's got a great pair of shoes on. But, (laughs) but for some people that's, it it works differently that way. But when you're a housewife or you're cooking for your kids and your husband and stuff, I'll, I'll give you an example. My, 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 one of my relatives, uh, he can eat three full meals. He's 70. He can eat three full meals a day and dessert, not gain a pound. His wife, on the other hand, does the same thing. And she looks at what he's eating and she gains weight. Yep. And so how do you, how do you um, teach people that are cooking for, you know, three meals a day, cooking for kids and, you know, kids, they Mm -hmm. eat a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and they never gain a pound, but uh, um, until they turn 20 and then it's like, what the hell happened? I was, I'm doing nothing differently and all of a sudden I've gained 20 pounds. But uh, how, do you, how do you help people or teach people to stay away from nibbling and eating and while they're preparing foods and all that kind of stuff? Well, first thing I want to address is you said he was able to eat whatever he wants, eats dessert and doesn't gain a pound. It doesn't mean he's healthy. That's also and true. So thin does not mean healthy. Oh, and, but, that, but in our society, Gemma, please, in our society, that is that <laughs> is the 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 bar. If you are genetically disposed to being slender, and you're always going to be slender because that's your genetics, then suddenly people look at you differently than somebody who's got a slower metabolism and gains weight when they look at chocolate cake. I think it's changing, though. I really do, Kevin. I hope. There's so much positive body image now, and there's so many more examples in the media of of bigger people who are healthy and vibrant, and this is their size. And they are rocking it. Lizzo, for example, she is amazing. And she is speaking out about, look, I'm healthy. I exercise every day. I eat right. This is just the way I look. And I'm beautiful. So if you don't think so, take a walk. I love that. So, so, but let's go back to your circle, back to your question about um, cooking and preparing food for people you love. You can, it takes discipline but it can be done. Getting your family to eat healthy. If you're trying to change your eating habits, focus on you first. Don't try and change your significant other or your kids right away because they are going to fight you tooth and nail. They want the Cheetos. They want the chips. They want the cookies. So there is, it really is, it, it, it's a more of a challenge when those foods are in the house and you're looking at them. So it's really important to make sure you don't get to that point where you're starving. You've got to eat healthy food throughout the day. You've got to nibble because I tell you what, I'm the same way. If I get starving, I don't want a salad with grilled chicken on it. I want the burger and the fries and the, 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 like I'm starving. Give me all the food. And so we have to plan and prepare. And these are like little tips and tricks that you learn along the way. And you don't know all this right away, but you keep trying, you keep learning, you keep evolving. Health is a journey that's going to last the rest of your life. It's not something you do until you reach your weight and then stop. We have to incorporate it all day, every day and add healthy things instead of taking them away. So for those people who are trying to get themselves healthy, but still prepping food for the family, you can make grilled chicken and they can have the fried chicken. You can have less pasta while they have the full plate of pasta. You can make yourself some steamed vegetables to eat and 
give them a little bit, hoping they'll eat more vegetables, but it's for you. The other night, my, I made a, hu a huge pan of asparagus and my, my boys don't like asparagus. My daughter does. So I gave her some and she said, oh, can I have more asparagus? I was like, no, I ate it all. <laughs> so it was my asparagus. And that's really hard as a mother to not always sacrifice yourself to put the family first. I wanted, I'm trying to make sure I eat what I need to eat. So we have to be, and it's not selfish. I was going to say we have to a little bit of, we have to be a little bit selfish. There is nothing selfish about taking care of your health. There is nothing selfish about, about prioritizing your goals. Well, I can tell you this, your family that loves you wants you to be around. Absolutely for as long as you can be around and then eating healthy is 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 a real big part of it now i wanted to ask you in this day and age eating healthy is more expensive than buying macaroni and cheese from the middle of the aisle it is um so how do we manage that everyone's on a different budget so we all have to do what we can do so first thing I challenge people to look at is where are you spending money unnecessarily that could be reinvested in your health? So, and everyone has different priorities, so I'm not judging at all whatsoever, but do you need the new purse? Do you need the new shoes? How many subscription sites are you on online that are costing 20, 50, $130 a month that you don't necessarily need? Um, so where are these extra fees, you know, sneaking into your life that you can look at that and say, that could be the difference between me getting healthy food in the house or not. But even if you're still on the tight budget, the macaroni and cheese, make the macaroni, pull some noodles out for you before you put the cheese in and you can eat the noodles without all the added calories and processing of the cheese. You can get salads at restaurants that yes they cost more but or can you get a burger without the bun can you not eat the bun and wrap it up in lettuce so if you are doing fast food with the kids get a burger and ask them to give you extra lettuce and don't eat the bun skip the fries get water oh you'll save tons of money if you get water instead of the soda sodas oh, yeah. are like you know so expensive at the restaurant get water with lemon it's free that's your extra money for your salad so there's always ways we just have to look where we're spending our money and where do we really want to invest you want to invest in your health your life and i'll tell you the investment in your health is never a waste never ever ever when you have more energy when you're in a better mood when you're happier, when you have more confidence, those health investments are priceless. Now, there is another elephant in the room that a lot of women are, um, and, and I hate to, I hate to uh, throw everybody in the same bucket, but there are a lot of people that like to go shopping because it makes them feel better. Mm -hmm. how, how, do, how do we encourage folks to, yeah, go shop, go look, but don't necessarily buy um things that are impulse this is getting, um, you're getting deep now go ahead and finish sorry kevin <laughs> <laughs> no because it's it is it is really true and and it's it this is not gender specific my right. son does the same thing mm -hmm. he will feel badly about himself he'll feel <laughs> bad about a situation so what's he do he goes and buys something that he knows he shouldn't 
because he can't afford it, but he makes a reason that he can afford it because it makes him feel better. How do we feel better without doing the impulse things that are detrimental to our either financial health or our physical health? So we're getting super deep and that's okay. So when we have an emptiness and I, I there's an, a lot of people feel it like an emptiness in their, in their gut and there's something missing. There's something in their life that is causing them to have this emptiness and people try and fill that emptiness with food, with alcohol, with shopping, with substances. They're trying to fill that void. And none of those things are ever going to fill that emptiness. So you're still empty, you eat more. You're still empty, you shop more. This is a pattern. This, and until we find the reason why you have that emptiness and we start looking at that, which is the elephant in the room exactly on the deepest level, what is it that is causing you to be unhappy? Where in your life are you empty? Because it's probably, there's when I coach my clients, we look at 12 different areas. It's joy, it's home cooking, it's activity, it's creativity. Um, did I say creativity? <laughs> um, I got my list here. Um, there's all these areas. It can be it can be spirituality, it can be career, it can be finances, um, relationships, social life. Where in your life are you lacking? And if we can really find out where that emptiness is coming from, then you can take steps to make yourself happier in that area. And then the emptiness inside will completely be filled with the right things. And then you're not trying to stuff that emptiness with all the wrong things that never, ever works. You know, what's interesting about that, and you're absolutely right. What's interesting about that is when you wake up every morning, mm -hmm. because all you have is today, your life is empty until yep. you fill it up with whatever you want to. And if you get to make that choice, rather than that choice is made for you by external forces or other people, it gives you an empowering feeling that you can do anything. At least that's my opinion. What do you think? And I think, you know, not everyone is ready to start, you know, and I think we have to honor the fact that sometimes when you're just really down and out and the idea of making those changes is too overwhelming, you just plant the seed. And you say, you know what, one day I will make those changes. And you start planning for one day. And it doesn't have to be today. You start thinking about what it will be, what it will look like. Envision it, you know, and getting help is very, very important. Reaching out, if you're at the point where you know you want change and you just cannot do it, there's a debilitation. It's, it can be depression. It can be anxiety. It can be, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, diagnosable mental health, you know, struggles that, that many of us go through at some phase in our life or, you, you know, some people just stay there for a minute. Some people stay there for a long time. Get help. Get the help you need because sometimes you just need that help. You need that lift up from a therapist or a psychologist, psychiatrist to say, here, let me get you over the hump so that you can have the energy, the desire, the clarity to say, okay, let me take the steps I need to be healthy. And so that's really important to discuss because a lot of people might be hearing this and say, yeah, that's great, but I can't leave my house. I can't get out of bed because I'm really down. And so, yeah, it sounds nice to go for a walk, but I can't get out the door. Right. Then what's beautiful now in our telemedicine world, 
we can get help from our home. We can get there's so many people, you can get therapists on the phone. There's even apps for therapists, you know, so there's so much mental health help out there. And it's very important to know that if you get the help you need, you don't have to stay where you are. So I fully support getting help. I mean, I've had it myself. I've had my uh, help myself and that's what's helped me get out of big holes. By the way, we are talking with uh, Gemma Fountain. She's written the book, The Elephant in the Room, and go to her website, which is GemmaRayFountain.com. That's R-A-Y-N-E Fountain.com. And you can get all the information. You can get, you can order her book, um, and you can also talk to her. She's got some programs that we can talk about, too. And also, while we're here, if you've got a question that you'd have for, for Gemma, you can uh, uh, give us a call at 425 Three seven three five five two seven. Hopefully, Benny's in the room. That's four two five three seven three five five two seven or eight 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 two nine eight five five six nine. And um, I just wanted to reinforce your point, Gemma, about seeking help if you need it. There's a good friend of mine who is a financial planner. He makes a quarter of a million dollars a year. Guess what he has as a coach? A financial planner okay yep because he recognizes that he doesn't know everything mm-hmm. and that sometimes getting another perspective on what's going on with you and your life can be a life-changing experience I'm gonna say always not sometimes okay all the times um, I have coaches for my business I have people I mean I'm a personal trainer I see people to help inspire me in fitness I see therapists to help me, you know, make sure that, you know, I'm not going to slip back into, you know, dark places. I want to stay positive. I want to keep leveling up. I want to keep being the best version of me I can because the best version of me can help more people. And that inspires me. I couldn't have said that better myself. And that, that is, that is why, you know, I was taken with you the first time that we met and we talked, I thought to myself, this is positive talk material. Absolutely. She is awesome. Thank Thank you. I think it's also just welcoming the fact that we, no one has it figured out. So when you're talking about, you know, when you said Brad Pitt, he doesn't try. Oh, he tries. You know, he, he's, <laughs> he's working hard at that. I'll tell you it, you know, it just, we all have different trauma we're processing. We've all been given different tools. We've all had different lives. And so for some, it might look easier but don't judge that. Don't judge based on what other people's lives, their story is different. What they have survived is different. And what you have survived is yours and you're here and you've survived it and you're amazing. And when that inner voice or anybody else tries to tell you otherwise, I'm going to tell them to shut up because you are amazing. Every single person listening to this right now, you have overcome things that some people couldn't even comprehend. You have, you have won in your life against so many struggles and battles that, you know, it's hard to even put it all into a big picture, but own that, own everything you've done, everything you've accomplished, everything you've dug yourself out of, it matters, it's not insignificant. You have done amazing things. And that inner wisdom, if you listen to it, there's a little whispering voice somewhere in there. And that voice is saying, you rock, you are strong, you are brave, you are perseverant, you are accomplished, you are kind, you have done amazing things. That voice is in there. We just got to turn the volume up a bit. 
Now, this is, again, uh, one of those deep things that I wanted to bring up, which is, why is it that we, generally speaking, um, discount the things we do well as, oh, that's just, everybody can do that, that's easy. If you can write well, if you can talk well, if you can, if you can uh, run better than, you know what I mean? If there, there are things that we, that we innately do as, as humans that, that we may be doing better than somebody else, but we tend to discount that and accentuate the things we don't do well. Why do we do that to ourselves? It's cultural. It really is cultural. Um, we don't want to brag. We don't want to this. I'm saying brag brag on yourself right <laughs> and you know again culture is changing there is so much more positive body image there's a lot less negative talk and and less of it being allowed in the media people are calling people out left right and center for being nasty and negative so you know it's about deciding which train to get on there's a quote it's a beautiful story and i'm going to butcher it but i'm sure some listeners might have heard it or you can Google it. It's about the two wolves within. <clears throat> and um, a young boy asked his father, you know, there's a, there's a wolf that is angry and negative and horrible. And there's a wolf that is, is kind and generous and they're going to fight and they're going to battle. And the, the young, I think it's a son to his father. And I think it is a beautiful Native American story. And the, fa- the son says to the father, which wolf is going to win? And their father says, whichever one you feed. And so you have the power to feed the positive or feed the negative. That is within your power. Now, if that inner voice is telling you you're not worth it, you're going to keep feeding the the, the negative wolf because you think that's all you deserve. So whatever it is you need to do, there is some, this radio show, this positive talk radio show, you put positive in your ears. I tell my children, you cannot unhear something, you cannot unsee something, and you cannot unfeel something. So I don't let the news, the news is not allowed on in my house because I don't want to hear all that. That gets me down. So we listen to positive music. We listen to books. I, I listen to books on tape that are going to lift me up. I try and watch shows that are amazing and going to make me feel good and make me laugh because of that it matters. It makes a difference in the day. I, my husband knows if I've watched a couple of episodes of the walking dead, cause I am not as happy. I am. I'm about ready to go fight some zombies in the backyard. <laughs> so he knows if I've been watching those shows, but if I've been watching like, you know, Shit's Creek and American Idol, I am in a good mood. It matters. So what are you listening to? What are you allowing into your ears, into your eyes and into your soul every day? It impacts you. Well, in this day and age, we have got so many opportunities, so many choices that we can we can quite literally fill ourselves up with positive stuff every day that that will take us a, a lot closer to the goals which we've established for ourselves. And let's talk about social media. You can oh, cultivate your social one. media. I have some friends who are like, oh, I'm getting off social media. It's such a negative, horrible place. I'm like, well, that's your fault. Exactly. I have unfollowed and... Um, I no one shows up on my feed that is negative. If they, I see negative content, I am unfollowing them immediately. When I go to social media, it is full of kindness and positivity and love and joy. And I have created that for myself. And you can too. You can unfollow. I didn't unfriend people 
I'm still Facebook friends with some of these negative Nellies, but I am unfollowing them. So I don't see their negative comments all day, every day when I go to scroll social media. So you can cultivate your social media as well. What do you listen to? What are you scrolling? What are you watching? That's up to you. And when you say it's up to you, you're not kidding. It really is up to you. And because you can do in in this life, you can, you know, we are some total of our all of our experiences, both positive and negative. But my opinion is even the negative experiences, if we look at it in from a positive perspective, it took us to a different place yeah. and it helped us learn um, more. And uh, I think I think that at the end of the day, you can have a positive existence. I mean, I, you know, I battled depression. I I was suicidal and I got the help I needed. You know, I'm an immigrant in this country. I struggled a lot. <clears throat> it took me 12 years to get my bachelor's degree because as an immigrant, there was no scholarships, no grants, no loans, no federal aid. You know, um, I after each child, I had severe um, postpartum mental health struggles. And I've been battling ADHD my whole life. So, you know, every single one of these, these struggles has made me a better coach. It's made me understand other people better. It's made me understand what others might be going through so I can be more empathetic. And so when I write in the book, I write about my clients. I write about people I know, but I write about my own journey too. And if I hadn't have struggled through all that, I wouldn't be as passionate about making sure that other women love themselves no matter what, because no matter what we've gone through, I don't want to go to bed and, and bring all that with me every day. I let it all go. And like you said, we have today. And I want to be as joyful and happy and plant as many seeds of kindness and help as many people feel amazing about themselves as I can in a day, despite past trauma, despite past struggles. We've all had them, but it, they shape us. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is not only do you affect yourself, by being happy and really working to be positive in every day of your life. It affects your children. It affects mm -hmm. your relationship. It affects your <laughs> friendships. Yep. It, it seems to me it, it, in my life, uh, negative friendships that were not based upon happiness, kindness, positivity, they tend to fall away. Absolutely. Is that been your experience? Yeah. And you know, I mean, I know everyone listening has had a feeling like this before where you're in a room and maybe you're with some people and someone walks in the room and the entire vibe of the room comes down and it goes from yay to, Ugh. and I'm, you know, that feeling energy is contagious. It is contagious 1000%. And so what do I want to bring to the world? Do I want to bring people down? I've known people, gosh, I was working in a gym and there was a woman and she just brought her bad mood in every day and everyone could feel it. It was horrible. And I was like, how sad for her that that is what she's spreading. And, you know, it didn't have to be that way. She chose to bring it in with her. And we all have a choice. Do you leave it in the car and come into work and say, I'm here, let me do my best. How do you show up for your family? Like you said, people feel that vibe and it is contagious. Energy is very contagious and we can feel it. I can tell you as a fact, because I drove a Metro bus, which is the, the major bus line in Seattle for 12 years. I can tell you for a fact that my attitude and my energy level and my d desire to, to be a good bus driver and to help people, 
um, that affected the mood of the entire bus. If I came into it and I was a, like you said, a negative Nilly, um, I also affected the mood of the bus. So yep. it, it became it became obvious to me that it was easier for me to be positive because my day would go better than to be negative. And the world can be falling apart. You can be going through things. You don't have to, you know, because, I mean, my son, he had a, a really terrible head injury a year ago, actually. It was a year ago on the 25th, just three days ago. Um, you know, he's doing well. He's doing fine. But it has been a journey. I mean, we, I mean, neurosurgery appointments, you know, psychology psychologist for trauma sports medicine athletic trainer neuros i mean the um oh gosh i can go through the list um it's been a really really stressful year but i show up everywhere with a smile on my face because he is here and we are working towards him healing and i want him to have a great day i want him to have a wonderful day and I want to be lifted up by the world around me because I need it. So I need to show up as my best self and then the world will, will hold me. The world will, will cradle me when they find out what I'm going through and they will support me through it versus me just spreading misery everywhere. I'm more miserable that way too. If I can make someone smile, I'm lifted up by that. Again, it's that contagious energy. If we can make someone else's day better, our day is made better. So it's completely selfish. Go for it. Be selfish. <laughs> Exactly. Don't make people happy so selfishly you're happier. Well, and I can't tell you that I, well, I can tell you that the way that your attitude is with your son uh, will give him the best possible outcome that he can have. And I wish him the absolute very best as all the listeners do. Thank you. Thank you. He's doing well. He's doing well. We still have to do our rehab exercises, but he's back in sports, back at school. So we're blessed. Very cool. We've only got a couple of minutes left, and I just want to make sure that I get your information out one more time. Gemma Fountain has been our guest for this hour. She's a health coach, and she's written a book called The Elephant in the Room, How to Overcome Your Psychological Barriers to Weight Loss Success. And uh, go to her website, GemmaRayFountain.com, and get all the information you need about her. Uh, you can work with her. She's got programs, articles. It's a, it's a full-fledged, beautiful website. Thank so you. go there and hang out. And if you want to, you can go to PositiveTalkRadio.net. This interview will be up there in a, in a day or so. And uh, you can listen to this in its entirety and send it to your family and friends because this is really good information, Gemma, that, you, you. that you brought to us today. And just so the listeners know, I'm giving the book away for free. If you go to my website, GemmaRainFountain.com, you can actually scroll down. You can find where I'm giving you the book for free. You sign in and you give me your email address. I will email you a copy of the book and you can read it at your leisure on your computer. So it's completely free. If you like to have a hard copy in your hand, you have to buy it on Amazon. But if you don't mind reading on the screen, I will give you the book and help you get started on that journey to really finding out what is that emptiness inside. And so you've got to identify it before you can start making it better. And we'll address the elephants in the room. You know, free is really not a bad price at all. Not, not too bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think, it's, I think it's really awesome for you to do that. So go to her website, which is Gemma Ray uh, Fountain, and that's G-E-M-M-A RayFountain.com. Yeah, and Rain, Rain Fountain. Rain. Yes. I wish I could say that correctly. Okay. But uh, <laughs> Rain. Okay, got it. Um, Gemma, we've only got uh, about a minute left, so I'd like to step aside and give you an opportunity to say anything you'd like to to the audience. I think it's really important to understand that whenever you're going to work towards any goal with your health, 
you're going to have hiccups. We're going to have days where we literally flop it. And you might have two good days and then you might have two bad weeks and you might have a good day and then a bad day and then two good days and three bad days. And this is absolutely 100% normal. No one starts and gets it right all the time. So it matters that you know that you are going to have days where you're not so great on your goals. That doesn't mean you quit. It just means you take a deep breath you have a good night's sleep and you try again tomorrow and that that is normal and that failing one day doesn't mean you get rid of the whole goal. It just means you try again tomorrow. And I want to thank you for being here, Gemma. It's been it's been a fabulous discussion. And I'd like to thank you all for being here. This is Positive Talk Radio. Go to PositiveTalkRadio.net to learn all about me and what we're doing here. And uh, be kind to one another because, you know, each other's all we got. We'll see you Wednesday at 4.